Hey everyone, welcome back to episode 3 of our walk through James. Thank you so much for being here with me again today. Uh, if you're here, then I assume that these messages are actually good for you, that they've been a blessing in your life, and you're actually gaining some kind of value from it, which is absolutely awesome. Today, we will be starting out in James 1, 5. But before we begin, let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time that we have together. Lord, we thank you for, again, your word. I know I thank you every time, but it just doesn't do justice. Because apart from your word, we would be lost. Apart from your presence, we would be lost. But you have given us both. So, Lord, we speak a blessing over the message. Father, we speak a blessing over the hearers. Father, I need you. I need you here with me now as we present this to the people listening. I give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. And just to give a disclaimer, we're going to be addressing some very particular issues here in this chapter, uh, verse 5. I don't want this to become a an issue where people are feeling slammed, guilt-tripped, or guilty throughout this passage. So what we'll be discussing in this podcast will not be applicable to every person and even every time for people that are experiencing this particular issue. I know that it's applied several times in my own life, but it is not universal in everyone's life. It hasn't even been universal in my life. So let's get started and see where we finish today. Hopefully, it'll be somewhere around verse 8. The passage is a good place to start when you don't know what to do with life. James chapter 1, verse 5 and again, we're reading out of the New King James Version. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. This is pretty much word for word in the Greek. The word wisdom is the Greek word Sophia, and it means what it says. It's an earthly human knowledge, understanding what to do and how things work. How many times have we said, I just have no idea what to do now? Ask the Lord, and he will show you. Now, understand, it may not happen overnight, but it will happen. Uh, some of the strongest Christians I know will be faced with having to make an issue, and they will ask God for wisdom and ask God for discernment, and they don't get it right away. Sometimes it takes a couple of days before something comes through. I think most of that really just has to do with timing, really, when a person is ready to receive even if they think they're ready to receive right now, sometimes they're not. There is a catch, though, and it comes in the next verse. James 1.6 But let him ask in faith, with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. Asking in faith without even one slight doubt. The Greek here is interesting. Medis, medemia, maiden. The first part of this phrase is may. It carries an absolute denial, or a question with an expected negative answer. The second part is haste. The whole phrase is basically saying, nobody, no one, nothing. It's an absolute, no doubting. Asking the question, expecting a negative answer, is your faith focused on the bad. It makes you like a wave tossed by the wind. The Greek for the word wave is a raging wave, 
Have you ever seen a raging wave? It is literally driven where it is going by the wind. If the wind changes direction, so does the wave. It works the same exact way with us. If you've ever seen one of those Hollywood movies, uh, boats going in the ocean, storm comes up, and there is just wind coming from almost every direction. The waves generally tend to go in the same direction as the wind, but sometimes you have cross breezes and you have cross waves. It's pretty crazy. Uh, if you were to ask any fisherman or sailor who's ever had to experience that, the waves go where the wind goes. They are not in control of themselves. If we ask the question, but focus on a no, we cannot hope for something good. Our faith has already determined that Jesus will not act. I'm not going to get into hyper-faith teachings or positive faith teachings here. This isn't about getting yourself worked up and emotionally excited. This is about functional faith, like the Roman centurion. His servant was sick, and he sent several men of Israel to ask Jesus for healing. When Jesus was close to the man's house, he sent out more of his friends to stop Jesus from entering, claiming that he wasn't worthy to have Jesus under the same roof as him. But he knew if he asked Jesus for healing, that Jesus could do it. Jesus was struck by this man's faith. In Luke 7, verse 9, When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him, and turned around and said to the crowd that followed him, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. The centurion asked without doubting. Mind you, this particular setup is not the magic formula, as it were, for getting what you ask for. This is an example of functional faith without doubting. We all know the story of Peter walking on the water, right? Remember how it went from awesome and cool to oh snap status in probably less than a minute? Well, in Matthew 14, 30-31, But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said, O oh, you little faith, why did you doubt? I have personally heard this message time and time again where the pastor says, Peter took his eyes off of Jesus and saw how scary the storm was. And when he took his eyes off Jesus, he began to focus on the waves and how scary they were. This is not entirely wrong, but there is nowhere in the verse that it says Peter looked away from Jesus. The human eye has a fairly wide scope to allow it to see more than just one point right in front of it. Peter probably never stopped looking at, right at Jesus. He probably saw that there were waves literally everywhere. We do not know how severe the storm was, really. We just know that it was rough and it was long. We know that Peter stepped out and had taken at least a couple of steps on the water. And then he had a panic attack. He could see the waves. He could see Jesus. But somewhere in that walk, he doubted. Maybe it was something like, I'm not Jesus. How can I make it past these waves? Somewhere along the line, in his walking toward Jesus, his faith went negative. It said that something bad was going to happen. His faith diminished in Jesus and increased in a negative answer. Hence Jesus' words, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? So, Peter had faith, but he also had doubt. Peter went from functional faith to dysfunctional faith. So, what is the big deal with doubting anyways? Well, if we are honest, it shows a lack of commitment to what we are aiming for. But it does show a commitment to not believing that you will get what you are looking for. James 1, verses 7 through 8. 
For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. The key thing we are looking at in this verse is double-minded. It is the Greek word dipsukos. It means two-spirited or vacillating in opinion, divided in interest or uncertain. It is taken from the Greek word dice or twice and suke or soul. A double-minded here means double-souled. Your soul is not the same thing as your spirit. Your spirit was saved the moment you accepted Jesus. Everything about your spirit is saved and functioning properly according to how God designed things to function in the first place. Your soul, on the other hand, that is a different story. This is the area of your being where sanctification is taking place. This is your mind, your will, and your emotions, also referred to as your thinker, your chooser, and your wanter. This is the part of you that you are trying to get in line with Jesus so that you can keep his commandments. Let's think on this for a moment. If, in your mind, or your thinker, you believe that what you are asking for you are going to get, but in your emotions, or your feeler, you do not feel that you are going to get it, then you are double-souled. Part of your soul believes that you are going to get what you are asking for, and the other part does not. It can be the other way around as well. As I mentioned at the beginning of this episode, this is not a fast and hard rule for every person in every case. You are going to have to examine yourself and ask Jesus to show you the hang-up. In my life, I had an issue where I was always praying for one thing, knowing that what I was asking for was legit and not sinful. But my emotions said I didn't deserve it and I wasn't going to get it. I knew intellectually that Jesus loved me, but my heart didn't feel it. It took a while to deal with the issue in my heart. I had to go before Jesus in prayer and ask him to show me his love. This wasn't some physical or financial gain, but rather something that he showed me in the spirit. But it took some time to accept what he was showing me. Everyone is different. Some people will get it faster than others. Take this at your pace. Now, I would like to address one other reason why we may not get what we are asking for. And for this, we are going to jump ahead in James to chapter 4. So James 4, verses 2 through 3. You lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight in war, but you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss, that you may spend it on your pleasures. Now, we aren't going to get too deep into this passage yet, but let's focus on the part that applies to this topic. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask but do not receive because you ask amiss, that you may spend it on your pleasures. How many times have you asked God for one thing and received something completely different? Or you just didn't get anything? This can be for a couple of reasons. Matthew 7, verse 11. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? The first reason is that what you asked for may not have been a good thing, either because it simply was not a good thing that would profit your maturity, or it was not something you could have received yet because it would have caused damage if you didn't have the maturity to handle it. I know some people who think God doesn't give them good things, and some people who think they don't deserve good things. But as Matthew 7 shows, he desires to give us good things, but he will not give us something that will damage us. Sometimes this is because we either aren't ready for it, or because no matter when he gave it to us, 
it would cause us damage. And if you think about the thing you want right now, and you are sulking because you don't have it, then it is likely that it would cause you damage. I had a funny conversation with the Lord once, and it went something like this. Lord, you said to ask, and we will receive. But then you also said, we do not have because we do not ask. But when we do ask, we do not receive because we ask amiss. Well, if we are asking amiss and asking for the wrong things, what's the point in asking for anything at all? Then the Lord replied to me, which, for some reason, always seems to surprise me. Is your heart the same as it was six months ago? I said, no, I don't think it is. Then he asked, if you will follow me, will your heart be the same in six months? I said, I hope not. To which he responded, as you get closer to me, your heart will change to want the things that I want for you. I can give you the things that are good for you. I can give you what is good, and it will not damage you. Being a good father doesn't mean you just hand out whatever your child wants, whenever they want it. You must know what it is going to do to them. And if it is going to hurt them in the short or long run, you don't give it to them. The concept is not a difficult one, but we don't always think of God as our loving father, even though he is. He loves us more than our earthly father could ever love us. And he has the added advantage of knowing the future outcomes of what he gives us based on our maturity. So the question is, what are you asking for? Is the timing right? Are you mature enough to handle what you're asking for? Is what you're asking for just going to feed your flesh? You will find as you walk on with Jesus that the one request he will never say no to is wisdom. He never turns away someone looking to gain understanding. And what is wisdom? Well, wisdom is the practical application of knowledge. With the practical application of knowledge comes understanding. But here is the key thing in all of it. Ask without doubting. If you ask for wisdom, but doubt that God will give it to you, you have already counted him out of the picture. This means that you are leaning on your own understanding. And what does the scripture say about that? Proverbs 3, verses 5-6. through 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. So, what happens when you lean on your own understanding? Well, we wind up back in Jeremiah 17, verses 5-6. through 6. Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord, for he shall be like a shrub in the desert, and shall not see when good comes, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness, in a salt land which is not inhabited. Isn't it funny how this verse keeps popping up? It's almost like we need to know that trusting in ourselves to get things done will actually cause us damage. Like someone is trying to get through to us about how bad it can actually be. If we trust in ourselves and doubt that God is going to give us wisdom to act on, we are going to be in for some very hard times. And if we ask for good things but tell ourselves and others that we do not deserve good things... We are cursing ourselves and automatically taking God out of the equation. Once you negate God, you are left with manpower, and that is no power at all. Therefore, it is important to cover these verses and keep them in context. God does desire to give us good things, Matthew 7.11. He requires that we ask for them, James 1.5, and that we carefully consider what we are asking for and why, James 4.2-3. 
we need to have functional faith, as shown in Luke 7.9. When we doubt, we fall victim to our own strength, and that doesn't work out very well. Matthew 14.30-31 All this comes back to one thing, relationship with the Father. Jesus is here to lead us into relationship with the Father. Remember Jesus' words, John 16.23-27 And in that day, you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive, that your joy may be full. These things I have spoken to you in a figurative language, but the time is coming when I will no longer speak to you in a figurative language, but I will tell you plainly about the Father. In that day, you will ask in my name, and I do not say to you that I shall pray the Father for you. For the Father himself loves you, because you loved me, and have believed that I came forth from God. Jesus is saying that because you love him, the Father loves you. Since the Father loves you, ask the Father directly, because Jesus isn't going to do the asking for you. Because you are in covenant with Jesus, you carry his name. Therefore, you can ask in his name. And what you ask for, you will receive, so that your joy may be full. Now, let's make one thing clear here. Happiness comes from the world. Joy comes from the Lord. If he is talking about your joy being full, he is not going to give you something that you can spend on your lusts, just like in James 4, 2-3. This is why I am always saying consider carefully what you are asking for, and always be aware that you can still ask for something good, have no doubt, and have the maturity, and the timing won't be right. Shockingly, God has a plan for your life, and he won't give you something when the timing isn't right because it will mess with the plan and will not benefit you like you think it will. The more you dive into the issue, the deeper it gets and the more facets there are. But don't lose hope if things don't work out the way you have planned. Romans 8.28 And we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Keep walking according to his purpose, and things will start to line up as you line up. If you aren't walking according to his purpose, you can change direction now. Redeem the time and gain everything that he has in store for you. I want to leave you with one last thought. Sometimes we are walking according to his purpose and things seem like they are bad or tough. Remember that in episode two, we talked about falling into various trials and counting them all joy. Sometimes we must go through stuff to get us to mature. This is called baptism by fire. Not every situation that brings maturity will be like that, but most of them will be. It isn't until what is in your heart is drawn out by tough circumstances that you can get a good grip on them and bring them to Jesus to gain maturity. Let's pray. Father, once again, we thank you for this word. We thank you for the fact that you do want to give us good things. We thank you that you are wise enough to protect us from bad things that we still want. And Lord, as the people listening to this podcast go about their days and apply this to their lives, we ask that you would burn the message into their minds. Lord, that it would carry through in their heart and would not be pulled out. And Father, whatever they don't need to remember, I just ask that you would cast it from their memories. And we give you the praise for your presence. We give you the praise for your love. We give you the praise for every good thing that we have received. In Jesus' name, amen.